Welcome to the Startup Grind Podcast. Starting a company is not for the faint of heart. They're always questioning, 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 tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Where we talk to entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and thought leaders about how to build a great company. Like my friends, like you think you're crazy. I think you gotta be a little nuts. And change the world in the process. We optimize for impact instead of profit. It's never been a more exciting time to be an entrepreneur. From Startup Grind chapters across the globe. The chapter director for Cape Town. Boise, Idaho. London. Mala, Palestine. Guangzhou, China. And delivered to you every Monday and Wednesday. It's a Startup Grind. Hey there and welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Startup Grind podcast. Today we have a conversation with Archana Vemulupali, the Chief Technology Officer for the Mayor's Office for the District of Columbia. The office manages over 10,000 employees, overseeing 21 departments, 33 independent agencies, roughly 69 legislatively mandated offices, and five regional bodies. These include all city services, public property, police and fire protection, District of Columbia Public Schools, the University of District Columbia, and the UDC Community College System. The mayor's office oversees an annual city budget of roughly $8.8 billion. Prior to serving as DC CTO, Archana served as the CTO for Pristine Environments with over 1,000 employees and as CEO of Inteliva. Ms. Vemulapali was selected to participate in Leadership Greater Washington's Class of 2015 and the Women in Technology's Leadership Foundry Class of 2014. Ms. Vemulapali serves on the Trustees Council of Penn Women at the University of Pennsylvania. She is a NACD Board Governance Fellow. Archana has an MBA from Georgetown University, a master's from UPenn, and an engineering degree from the University of Madras IIT. Let's listen in to Archana interviewed in Washington, D.C. by Director Brian Park. Moment we all have been waiting for. So ladies and gentlemen, Archana Vemulapali. Thank you. And you got my name right this time. I did, yeah. <laughs> thank God. Thank God for the This is why the, practice makes perfect, right? right exactly. Um, so how you how you doing, by the way? It's good? Good. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to have you here. Um, actually, you know, reading your bio, I was like, wow, this is a very inspiring story. So I wanted to, you know, first we always from the beginning, we always like to start with you. Where were you raised? Where were you born? What did your parents do? Let's go all the way back. Once so, upon a time. Uh, so I grew up in India. Um, my dad's a doctor, and my mom's an economist, but chose to stay home. I was one of three, and uh, you know, I I grew up there. Went to high school, did my undergraduate in India, moved for grad school to University of Pennsylvania, stayed in Philly, moved to D.C. over a decade ago, and I've been here ever since. So. You actually came here when you were how old? 20. 20, okay. And then, uh, well, before I even Are you going to go to and say, how old are you now? <laughs> no, no. Um, well, so, so I mean, obviously the CTO. So like, uh, this is sort of the question my, my can, uh, question I always ask the CTOs, but what was the, your first program you wrote as a kid or a teenager that you were really proud of? You know, um, I think my first experience with programming was basic. This was way back when you had dot matrix printers in schools. I think you just gave away your age. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the other thing too I want to talk about was, uh, you know, it, you had said that you watched your dad uh, while you're growing up. You he, your father identified your mom as like sort of the head of the household. Um, so how has that influenced your perception in life and especially in the workplace? I think the, the, the biggest thing with that is there were no stereotypes growing up. Yeah. There was no, this is what 
you know, a man does or this is what a woman's role is. I think it was about respect and, and sort of making sure you had an equal relationship, right? I think so what that gave me was um, a sense of confidence that anything I wanted to do, I could do. Um, it was never really driven by this was what, you know, this was what you should be doing or this is what, you know, you needed to do. My mom never said, come into the kitchen and learn how to cook. I mean, she kind of was like, well, it would be nice for you to know how to survive on your own, but, you know, it was never, a, this is what a girl needs to do. So there were no such stereotypes for me, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing I got from my childhood. Um, where that's helped me, um, I think I've, I've done things that I wanted to do that I liked. I mean, I've always liked engineering, and I've stayed with it, and, and so I've never really taken no for an answer, and I've never really thought about it in, a, you know, in any different way. Um, so, really quick, because I always like to do a little plug, hashtag Startup Grind. Don't forget, there's five books here, <laughs> the one here. Hashtag Startup Grind at DCCTO, right? That's right. Okay, good. Do you, do you handle that? Handle? Uh, I, I am a serial retweeter. Okay. So I, I retweet a lot. Um, I apparently don't have time for original thought, but I appreciate reading yours. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to uh, go into the pristine environments story. Mm -hmm. So that was the yep. sort of the first company. You started up CTO there, uh, a thousand employees with a hundred million revenue, and then you were CEO of uh, another company, uh, Intelliba. Uh, so what made you decide to switch? from the private to the public? I guess that's probably the most popular question people ask you. Uh, so, so I think the job itself was, it's a unique opportunity, right? I mean, it's, if, if you're in technology, it's doing really, I mean, it's doing what I like um, on a daily basis, but impacting the city that I, that's my home. So I think that was a unique opportunity. But having said that, I mean, how I got into it was totally coincidental. It was just me surfing the web one day and hearing the fact that they were still looking for someone and applying online. It was pretty much that. And um, I think I went through the whole interview process just, just having discussions about what they could do better in the city. And, and then when I had the offer, then there was a whole different discussion I had to have at home about um, switching career tracks. Do you know how many candidates they uh, interviewed? I have no idea. Can't ask now. <laughs> no. I don't. I, I, I didn't even think right. to ask. So I, I don't know. <laughs> so, so when you, um, when you, I mean, obviously, when you first started in your, you know, on your, uh, as your role as CTO, um, what was sort of the challenges you encountered, or maybe if I can rephrase it, like, what what was sort of, um, what did you notice, like the differences working for, you know, say DC or, or any any kind of government agency versus private did you have any what sort of the first challenges you ran into so so I think the challenges will be the same anywhere yeah. so I really don't think that working for the government brings completely different sets of issues I think the scale of which you measure changes and you know the the the, the same the stage is the same um, in, in in a private company you have to deal with the board in the government you have a council right um, you have a CEO in a private company. In the government, we have the mayor. Um, and then if you look at different agencies, they're all functional stakeholders. And if you look at, you know, in a private company, you have a CFO, a COO, and, you know, different people managing different portions of the business that they care about. So if you, if you take that same construct, the construct still applies. It's just different titles, right, and, and positions. But it, it's the same set of things that you deal with. Mm -hmm. um, I know that 
did you have any sort of hard decisions to make, you know, I mean, have you made any hard decisions that you're looking back you're like, that was a hard decision? No? No. Okay. <laughs> you know, switching from Windows to Apple? Uh... Not a hard decision. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Recently, you had, uh, so there's a quote here uh, on DCNO, uh, and this is more of like running DC lean. So you had, you, 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 the article had said, my strong belief is that we're going to have a very lean approach to think more like a startup. Awesome. Uh, we're going to do a lot more with a lot less. With startups, they have a very hard job with limited funding, and they really need to show amazing results before um, they get to the next funding. So. How are you running you know, your shop lean? I feel everyone's pain in this room, because I have the same, right? Um, and in the government environment, you, you're always in a situation where you have more needs than you have funding availability. That's always the case. Um, and the only way you will get funding, when there are 20 people right, saying we all need things for different reasons, the only time you will get funding is when you show value. And, um, and so I think it's really critical that we get into the mindset of saying, any investment we make, is it giving the maximum value to the city? If it's giving value, then we do it. And if we don't, we really need to reconsider if we want to spend that money in an environment. And I think it, it's not that different from a startup, right? I mean, you, you, you have an idea, you build a product, you have to convince someone that there is value compared to something else that someone thought of. It's only when you have that added value and you're bringing something to the table that an investor want to look at you, that, that's when people want to buy your product. It's the, the government is no different. I mean, if you, if you apply that mindset, I think you can get a lot more done. Okay. Um, so, I mean, do, you, do you guys use any sort of uh, Lean startup methodology, like agile methodology, or do you guys have to create an MVP or something of something? <laughs> so, at least since I've been on board, we've just been moving on things. I think the biggest problem is that the traditional mindset is everyone wants to sit sometimes, think, and strategize and build these grand visions that are 10, 20 years out. Um, technology 10 years ago was nowhere close to what it is today, and I think if you make that peace with it and you move quickly, um, decisions that you need to move on, you just move on. So we're just moving on stuff. So I'm um, moving on stuff, and this, uh, we're, this is a room full of startups here. Uh, what sort of process where you would adopt new, maybe perhaps evaluate new technology out there, uh, technology that startups in this very room will produce? Like, how, how do you guys, do you guys have an evaluation process, or how, do, how does a startup you know, sell business to DC? So, so there have been traditional means of doing it. So the traditional means are the standard RFI, RFP process, right? So you see an RFI that the district puts out for things we need. You look at it and say, hey, here's how we think we can help, and you respond. Um, I think sort of the non-traditional way is really events like this. Um, and what we're trying to do is identify ways in which we can open up um, our set of needs for you. So one of the things we are building, while it's not a a long-term strategy, but it's more of what our immediate needs are. What are things that we care about that we need to start having traction on soon? And we're working to identify how we can engage all of you in that conversation. Um, one of the things we did do is we reached out to San Francisco because they started a startups in residence program where they brought in startups to help them solve some issues that they had. So instead of, again, us rebuilding, you know, building this whole thing from scratch, the quickest thing was we picked up the phone, called them, and said, what did you guys do? You know, can we get some of the ideas that you've built out to see how we can engage the startup community? I think the beauty of startups in DC is you guys understand government way better than anyone else can. 
I think California is figuring it out now. Uh, we see more companies now from California coming here trying to pitch to government because they realize government is a good client to have. That government is a stable client to have, right? Um, these are people where you have less turnover. So when a government signs a contract, it's usually a long-term contract. So if you're in the startup role and you're looking to grow your business, what better way than to have one government client to give you that stability, right? So they're doing it, and I want to make sure we create the opportunity for businesses here locally to get that. So again, the start startup in residence. So is this, is this something that we're gonna, you know, in the next few months to expect? Uh, we're actively working it. I mean, so there's uh, the reality of it is if I could do it, I would have done it a month ago, okay. right? Uh, but, but what we need to do is make sure from a procurement standpoint, from a process standpoint, we have all of that stuff nailed down. So we're actively working it. It will be coming, um, just in what form and when. Um, I'm hoping sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, what about, how's, how does your like, infrastructure look like right now? I mean, you know, are you guys using you know, cloud services, SaaS tools? Um, you know some of the some of the tools that the private industry use. I mean, I know that the when you say government, they tend to be sort of like uh, late adopter of things. So, so I will actually say you should be proud of the district government, and I'll tell you why. Um, we have an extensive fiber infrastructure that we've built as a city. Uh, we have 650 miles of fiber that run across the city. We connect over 600 government buildings. Um, all our libraries are connected at gigabit speeds through the district. Um, all our parks and swimming pools are connected. Um, we have Wi-Fi. Um, I know you were going to yeah, go to it eventually, that, yeah. right? Um, so I'll, I'll hold off on that one. Uh, but outside of that, just enterprise applications that we manage for the district, we have over 33,000 employees for the district. Right? So all of their enterprise applications and services, all of that stuff is done by a pretty efficient team. And I've been really impressed with the quality of work that the district has done. There are areas to improve, but having said that, given the, the traditional confines of a government environment, the work that's being done is pretty amazing. Um, hashtag hard start grind at DCCTO. I want to get to the topic that you know, all of our chapters. So again, you know, we're, we have about 100 chapters that invited women entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. tech titans like yourself. Uh, and we, I mean, obviously, we need to talk about women in engineering. Sure. Um, I figure that would be a very appropriate um, topic. But um, so, you know, you're the CTO of one of the largest organizations in DC, arguably, right? I mean, I, 33,000, I actually, on your wiki, it's at Wikipedia, it says 10,000, but it's 33,000, right? So it's pretty big. Um, what needs to happen to get more women into tech? Let's just leave, let's just make it broad like that. So I, I think it actually has to start at schools, okay. and even at middle school and high school. So you think it's a pipeline? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really engaging and really encouraging women to get into engineering in schools. And, and it's, it's really pushing the need to really pursue math and science at an early age. I don't think it's done enough. Sometimes you need to make certain things required and not optional. And I think really sticking with it and understanding it and applying it, um, there's so many things and so many opportunities that exist now that I, th there's no reason why there shouldn't be more women in the space. So like, do you think that, say, again, engineering school, so, so Carnegie Mellon, that's, you know, I graduated from there. I remember, you know, when I took my class, uh, CS class, out of 150 students, there were only two women there. I went back there recently, and they told me that that very same class has now over 45% women. Uh, do you think like that's that's what again? It's the pipeline. They need to be doing proactive, yep. 
you know, acceptance of female candidates into these schools? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I think that's. It's not necessarily acceptance. I'm not saying that you know women need to get a preferential treatment to get in. I think it, it's just the idea. I think when you look at when you look at how programs are structured, how you're gotten, you know, you're sort of the way we're taught our books, the way they're structured, are still very traditionally approached. I think you need to be more creative of getting women into engineering. Um, you know, like I was trying to find. I have a four-year-old at home, right? And I was trying to find him books that could really teach him about the idea that. Really, women can do anything. So I try to flip the switch. It's not about what boys can do, but what can girls do? And there was only like one book that I found, right? This kid's book about this girl called Rosie who's an engineer. One book, right? And you, if you want to teach girls that they can get into engineering, look at kids' books. That's where it has to start. I mean, it's amazing. All the engineering building stuff is very much focused towards boys, right? And then. Everything else is for the girls. And so I think that that's where you need to switch. Because early on, unconsciously, we're giving kids the stereotype that there's a certain type of things that girls should be doing and the certain types of things that boys should be doing. And I, I think if you start early on, you will see a big difference in shift. Or you can have your daughter look at a star event. This is my son. <laughs> oh, your son. Sorry. OK. OK. I'm um, level setting early on. The brainwashing has begun. <laughs> uh, We'll, we'll, we'll re revisit uh, you know women in, in engineering, but uh, let's talk about like the talent acquisition here in DC. I mean, I'm sure you know it's very challenging to get top talent to work for DC you know government. Is it? Is it not? So let's talk yeah. about like has it been challenging, and what are what are sort of the ways that you're trying to attract you know top talent to your organization? So, so I think. Attracting talent depends on how you position yourself as an organization. I think one thing we've done, um, we've, I think the government has done a disservice for itself because we always tend to showcase ourselves as not the fun place to be and then complain that people don't want to come work for us. Um, so uh, I like to think that we're actually a great place to work for people that actually don't want to be in the startup space but want to be in a fun, stable space that's doing interesting work, come work for Octal. Um, Rupert Hill will agree with me on that one. We have a lot of fun. Um, and in terms of recruiting, I think we've been pretty successful in finding the candidates we needed to find. I think you just have to be creative. You can't just say, well, I want the, you know, the top ranker from that college to come pick me when there are three other companies vying for him and, you know, or, or her, and there's a certain, you know, there's certain financial constraint or otherwise that they're looking for. Um, you have to see what your needs are and what you offer, right? Um, for me, um, if I would have to pitch DC to somebody, there's stability, right? There is a great work-life balance. There is the ability to actually impact the city. The projects we're working on, we actually create immediate impact. You can see your actual, it's, it's, it's not just designing a project, right? Like when I was in consulting, sometimes I'd, I'd call it PowerPoint exercises because I'd come up with all these grand visions of what the architecture needed to look like, but I never knew what people did with it, right? Um, for all you know, it got stuck somewhere else and no one did anything, but I never saw the end state. But this is one place where you can actually see the end state. You actually see the impact. I mean, if we're building a health link exchange, you can actually see people use it. So you actually get that end-to-end -end experience. So um, I don't think I've had that problem, So, but I will keep pitching for DC to come, come work. A quick break from the conversation for some recent startup headlines. Online catering marketplace Cater Wings has raised $6.7 million in a round from Holtzbrink, Tangleman, and Rocket Internet. The Berlin-based startup focuses on high-quality B2B catering services, which currently operate in London, Berlin, Munich, Hamburg, and Amsterdam. 
LG has launched a mosquito repellent TV in India. The TV is part of the company's Mosquito Away range, which includes air conditioners and washing machines. The TV makes use of ultrasonic waves that cause insects to fly away while remaining inaudible to humans. The TV starts at $394 and is also set to launch in the Philippines and Sri Lanka next month. Solos has launched a Kickstarter campaign for its augmented reality cycling glasses with a heads-up micro display. The glasses can track speed, heart rate, cadence, distance, and elevation. The product was developed with the US Olympic cycling team. The glasses have already raised double their goal with several weeks left to go. So what? A, <clears throat> so now, now we're on the topic of talent acquisition. How about talent acquisition for women in DC government? So so <laughs> our, our our organization has 33% women. So we're we're pretty happy and excited about that. Um, but we are actively looking, right? Um, we're always actively looking and we're finding different ways to engage. So we try to reach out. Each time we have a position that we post, we, we try to find the right groups and actually put it out there um, for people to come join. I, I really think that one of the nice things about DC actually is there are a lot of women in technology in DC. It's amazing. Well, they said this is, a number, this is the number one city to be a female entrepreneur. That's good. San Francisco and New York. That's awesome. We want to keep it that way. So, okay, <laughs> tweet that out. Um, I wanted to talk about, so you were quoted in saying this about opportunity for women, but you said opportunities are offered only when women can show their ability to deliver. Uh, women should be offered opportunities on potential too. Uh, that's when you will have a, a truly level playing field, end quote. So how does an employer, you know, do that based on, you know, opportunities on potential, right? So, so the reason I, I said that is because that, that comes from personal experience. Okay. Every job I got, I got only because I was delivering above and beyond. So every promotion I got, right, um, I would always get the feedback of, hey, you need to be performing at that level and then you can move up. But I didn't see that always apply to my male counterparts, right, um, because it was either they, um, they had a separate conversation or they were like, oh, but this candidate has great potential. And I always heard this. I heard potential, and then when it came to me, it was always performance. Um, and I'm okay with that, um, but I, I, I think that's the true case. I mean, there is this, and I think sometimes women are guilty of this too. Sometimes we feel like if we're in a workplace, we need to really excel and prove beyond reason that we're great at something to get promoted. Why? I don't see my colleagues who are male bending over backwards to do the same. So sometimes I don't feel like I need to. I just think if you want a true level playing field, the best candidate should get the job. And if it's, sometimes it has to be potential. It, it doesn't always have to be performance. If, if someone has a history of doing well, and you think, okay, given this opportunity, they are gonna step up and excel, why not? So, I mean, uh, I was hoping for more women uh, for this event, because typically we would get more than 50, but if you were That's okay, we're brainwashing the men too, so this is all good. <laughs> but if we were, if we're gonna give an, an advice to these women entrepreneurs in this room, like, what sort of, like, how can they show that, hey, like, like I, I, give, I, give me the opportunity so I can show my potential. Like, how do they approach their, you know, CEOs, their bosses, like, hey, you know, I'm... Just go up and, and ask. I mean, the biggest, the, the single biggest disservice you can do to yourself is not asking. What's the worst someone's gonna say, no? Just ask. And, and you know, at least if you get a no, you'll at least get a plan of what you can do to get there. They know your interest. And I think most of the times we, we assume someone else is going to understand this is what we want. And we have to articulate more. Amen. <laughs>
Uh, we'll switch gears here. Okay. Uh, it sounds like you're pretty passionate about this. Topic. <laughs> you're like, so let's not talk about that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. You lead the way. Sure. No, because I want to get into uh, uh, more of the. I mean, it wanted, I mean, we're switching gears here, but let's talk about the open data initiatives uh -huh. here in, in DC. You, you said that your goal is to make uh, at least the DC government to be the most open of any city. Um, can you talk about some of your open data initiatives? Uh, you know, budget financial data, crime statistics, like what, what kind of stuff that can we get access to, I guess? So, so the budget data is already out. Okay. Uh, we have a crime map that's been out for a few years, so I can't even claim fame to that. Okay. Um, we have 873 data sets that we've put out, and then we continually refresh and update those. Um, can we do more? Absolutely. I think one of the things we're really trying to do with more than open data, it's really about understanding data and the value of data. Um, I think putting data sets are fine, but if you don't know what they give you and if you can't understand and use them in a meaningful way, then they're pointless. So we're trying now to see how we can da make data more usable for people. So how can we take the data sets we have and make that valuable to people that want to access it? How do we um, go to agencies and work with them to understand their own information better? Because one of the things we're recognizing as we start collecting information from agencies is they may give us information, but they don't know what to do with that information. But if we can give them the tools where they can take that data and now drive better decision making in their organization, how awesome would that be? Mm -hmm. right? um, and so I think those are the things we're trying to work through and recognize and build out. And you also have an open source program where residents can recommend uh, improvements on policy and programs. So, like, what, what would he, you know, Andy is a resident here. Uh, he wants to have more street lights. Like, is he able to put that into your? So, so if you need more street lights or you have issues with that, there's the DC 311 app okay. that you can, you can report issues with. It's okay. Yeah, it's good. All right. Um, but but I, I think. One of the things we're constantly trying to do is get feedback, right? Um, and there are multiple ways to do that. You can actually contact any agency director. You can contact any agency employee and say, here's my feedback, here's what I want. And almost anyone will either get back to you or will meet you. Um, that's one way. I think that's the best way. Uh, the second thing is we have, we have multiple initiatives to reach people. So we have a drafts.dc.gov website where anytime we have major legislation or policies, now we're starting to encourage people to put it out there for feedback. So if there's something you care about or you have an opinion about, give your feedback and comments. That's the best way to do it too, right? Because then we know we track what the input is. I will caveat it with we get a lot of input, so sometimes we can't single-handedly respond to every person that provides input, but know that we do read it. We do, we do look at the, the reactions we get when we make decisions based on that. And then, you know, those are just some major ones that we do. But I would say if there are things that you can think of, if you say, hey, here's a better way, you can do something, let us know. We're trying to identify more ways of getting feedback. Um, we're also trying to find ways of engaging you with problem sets we have. So if I can post my top five problems, how do I get solutions from all of you? And that's what I'm trying to look for. You perhaps may have examples where a citizen uh, suggested something and then uh, you, you implemented it. Your suggestion. Um, I'm trying to think. So, so it's less about well. So I, we haven't not since I've started. I don't think I have a specific example of where we actually implemented their suggestion. But we did have a number of meetings where people came in requesting either a service or a capability or having issues accessing some information. Um, 
There's one case where you know someone had issues with accessing Wi-Fi in a particular school, and they came in and reported to us, and we had that address taken care of. So it was more uh, more about here's you know day-to-day -day issues we're dealing with that you can help us with. Um, it's it's we haven't seen incidents where people come and say, well, here's an idea I have that transform the city. That would be great. And so I'm glad you talked about Wi-Fi because I I, I, I know you have. I I actually uh, there was a recent article by the big man Tesniosis, and he said, quote, I'd like to see DC government take on a bigger role in providing Wi-Fi to everyone. Universal access would boost the quality of life, boost the quality of life in the region, and be good for business. Uh, Wi-Fi is the new running water or electricity for cities like DC and New York. So what's your take on that? So, so I agree, but I actually think it's bigger than that. I think connectivity is key. I think Providing connectivity and, and, and really bridging the digital divide is, is a big thing. Um, unless you do that, I don't think you're going to see the levels of success you want to see in the cities. So, so I agree with that aspect. But having said that, um, the district actually has been doing a lot. Uh, and I think we, we, we've again done ourselves a little bit of a disservice by not talking enough about it. But just to give you perspective, we have over 600 hotspots across the city already. So DC free Wi-Fi does exist. Um, we have all the schools connected on Wi-Fi, meaning when you go to schools to drop your kids off, not only do they connect on Wi-Fi, you can connect for free at Wi-Fi all schools. All the libraries are connected. So I'm just saying Ted Leosis was sort of a support because he was saying, hey, we don't have enough Wi-Fi, but you have 600 hotspots, that's more than New York City. They're, they're boasting like, hey, we're going to have 500 by July. It's like, we're at 600 now, right? Yeah, I mean, so so I think it's, um, so we started this a while back, right? So this is not that, I'm not saying we did this in six months. And I think with New York City, they're obviously getting a lot of attention. And I think it's a good thing what they're doing, right? I mean, I think their program helps them get a lot of access out. But what we did was sort of very strategically look at where the need was, right? And so we started building up Wi-Fi spots based on need. So the first place that actually had Wi-Fi was the National Mall, right? And so this was years ago. And, and the whole goal was, that's the, and so we said, where are the high density places? Where do people congregate the most? Where do they tend to look for maps? Where do they need directions or they need to call service? Where is that most likely going to be? So the National Mall was one. Then we realized, well, really if you want to if you want to start giving people connectivity, where is the place you can make most impact? And for schools. Because when kids have to do homework, and they go home and they don't have connectivity, what, how are they going to get things done? So we said, well, let's start at schools. So schools was where we had Wi-Fi, so parents can connect there, right? So we have about 28,000 people connected schools every single day, right? And then the next conscious decision was, well, okay, so the libraries need to have connectivity. So the libraries of all, I think all but now four, what are going to happen this year are at gigabit connectivity, all the libraries, right? So, and then all the rec centers got connected. So we've consciously done this. Now, is that enough? Probably not. Um, we're actually going through the process of evaluating our existing spread and seeing how we can extend it even further. So we absolutely are aware of it. Um, we're engaging extensively um, with ISPs to see how we can partner with them. But connectivity is key. I think it's, it's absolutely the thing that needs to be done. I think if we want to be one of the most competitive cities in the world, we have to have this connectivity across the world. So I wanted to not have so many questions. I wanted to open it to Q&A, but I have a few more here, and then we'll open up the floor. Sure. Um, 
So what is sort of the future of DC like? You know, what are the well, what other initiative that you are working on that we haven't talked about? Like, for example, maybe employment programs online or um, software for transportation projects. You know, education initiatives online. Like, or is yours? <laughs> so, so I'll tell you about one of the fun ones we're doing. Um, so we have this project called PA Twenty Forty, and it's about eight blocks on Pennsylvania Avenue. We're, we're basically coming up with smart lighting that can also provide what gigabit Wi-Fi access, but at the same time, it has sensor capabilities where we can do environmental sensors, we can do traffic sensors. So if you think of the smarter city of the future where you, know, you have an environment where you can now learn about the amount of cars that are going by, you can have your street lights dim or brighten depending on the data, and you can also have Wi-Fi where people can just connect seamlessly. Um, this is probably one of the most interesting pilots that we're working on. Um, the phase one should be done this year, and then we're going to start looking at next aspects. So if you're looking at truly sort of the IoT-centric world of how can cities use information and make smarter decisions, this is one of the projects that we're working on. So definitely look it up. It's called PA2040. It's on our website. And if you have questions about it, let us know. Uh, what are we doing outside of that? Um, I think we're pulling everything into this construct of what we're, what we're calling Smarter DC. And the idea is that um, every agency did things traditionally from a functional perspective, right? So if you go to DDOT, they, you know, they maintain traffic, they maintain all of the streetlights, they, you know, they, they're, they're dealing heavily with transportation. If you go with DPW, they're dealing with all your, anything from snow removal to trash pickup. But what they did over the years is as they were dealing with these sort of traditional functional issues, they started building systems, right, that address their needs. And I think we as a city now need to get to the point where we now take all this data from all these different agencies and sort of build a collective understanding of what our city looks like. So can I maybe look at traffic and, and decide to switch my trash pickup routes by half hour? Or will that then reduce congestion on traffic, right? Can I start getting to that level? Can we? Absolutely. Um, so those are the kind of things we're starting to look at, right? Um, and those are, I think, the fun projects that will come out, and, and fun and impactful at the same time, right? This is great for our team to work on, but I think this is where you guys can get into the mix, because this is where I would say put your hats on, is how can we make the city more effective? The smart cities, I mean, there's, oh, that sounds really exciting. Yep. Um, okay, and then I'm gonna, okay, so two more questions. Um, where do you see DC in five? I mean, I think you already answered this, yes. right? Yes. The smart city, the yep. the next generation city of the world, right? Um, so, is DC CTO CTO office are they hiring? What kind of you are? What kind of position are you? We're always hiring. Okay. So I mean, we, we, there's a room full of you know, you know, hopefully engineers and entrepreneurs. Um, Ninety-five percent failure rate here. They're probably going to chance me. No, no, no. I, I want you all to be very successful. Uh, but no, we're hiring constantly. I think one of the biggest needs we have is we're always looking for programmers. Um, we're a lot of database analysts. We're looking at. We're looking doing a lot of actually now. Um, we're, we're starting to get into advanced analytics. So for those that are interested in that, um, reach out to us. We are looking at. Um, really enterprise architects, security architects. So any of those positions you're interested in, definitely reach out to us. But I think outside of that, I would say reach out to us if you want to, if you care about technology um, and you want to make a difference. Because this is one place where you can come in every day and you see the difference. I mean, you can, 
your stuff that you design, you actually see. I mean, even the Speed 2040 project I talked about, it's, it's, it was in paper, the whole design was in paper, you know, maybe six months ago, right? But between working with, um, working with data and other agencies and having, actually bringing it to fruition, right? When it actually gets done, we can actually, this is when you see true impact. You actually have an idea and you see it through. So this is the place to do it. So final question uh, for our Q&A, but what's your opinion about DC tech? I mean, do you think that DC, I mean, obviously Silicon Valley, number one, uh, New York, number two, do you think it's it, it Silicon Valley? <laughs> no, but do you, so, so, so I think you answered the question. I, I, I think we're great. I think we have some amazing talent. We have some great ideas. I think what we don't do is market ourselves as well as everyone else does, right? Well, I think we, we really should market ourselves more. Who says we're number three or four? Who says? I mean, I think there's some great ideas here. I think they're wonderful startups. And I am happy to be a spokesperson. One of the things I mentioned at an event I was recently is, if you have great ideas, let my office know. When I go out and travel and go to these other events in other cities, I am happy to be your spokesperson and say, look, here are all the businesses in, in my city. And here's all the amazing stuff we're doing. Why shouldn't we be going out there and talking about you guys? And you know, so let us know. I mean, let our office know, and we'll be happy to. As we go out to the events, just get more, you know, more buzz out there about all the great things we do. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to open up for questions. So, first of all, anybody who's a VIP City Pass member has a question. Dennis, here we go. So we're big on lessons learned um, along the way. What are some of the biggest lessons you learned uh, that got you great? I think my the the best advice I got is to never take things too seriously. That you only live one life and life is short, so whatever it is, just forget about it and go to sleep. <laughs> and I, I truly believe that I don't take anything that seriously. I mean, I do what I have to do, but at the end of the day, I shut down. So I would say, if you stick with that, life gets a lot better. <coughs> Specifically, could you speak about what you're... Safer DC meaning the walks on the street at night. We want to make sure that everybody's having a great time at night, but what about the incidents of sexual assault, you know, burglaries, or crime? The uh, internet of things that may come about through DC Tech? Yeah, so, so that's actually something we're, we're talking to MPD about, um, to see how we can include them in this and how we can look at different options to help increase that. Um, we have a crime map that we put out. We're actually doing a revised version of it that people can actually access and see. But that's just one aspect of it. I think we're trying to see how we can capture some of this information going forward. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a lab. That can help. That's good. Next question. Hi. I'm wondering what's your vision for the cloud adverts in DC in terms of any projects, any pipeline? What's your vision, you know, roll down the next couple of years? So, so when you say cloud, you mean just leveraging products that are cloud-based, or? Yes, like AWS, Salesforce, any of those off the shelf. So I think all of those are great. Um, th so to me, cloud is basically where you host. Um, technically, if I have a data center, it's, it's a cloud-based environment for someone that doesn't have access to it, in my mind, right? So um, I'm not 
pro or anti. I just think you just have to figure out what the best requirement is and use it. I think it's great that we have that because it gives us price point advantages that you don't have. Um, Are you guys on AWS? No. Okay. But that doesn't mean we can't be. Pleasure to hear you speak. Thank you for being here. My name is Liana. I'm with MedStar Health, and I'm curious to hear um, what's your strategy around collaborating with other with external organizations, startups, of course, new technologies, of course, but also local industry. So, so we are all about collaboration. So, I think what we've started to do is with cities. Um, we've reached out to other cities. And, and really just set up you know, a dialogue to say, well, what are the set of challenges you're going through? What are we going through? So when I mentioned the smarter city sort of construct, one of the things we're doing is reaching out to cities and saying, well, we're all sort of trying this out. You know, we're, we're doing different things. Let's just talk about things you've invested in or products you've looked at so we can share lessons learned across. Um, so we've started to do that. Um, we have reached out also a lot to universities. So we're part of the Metro Lab Initiative, um, which got started by the White House, where we're working with different universities on initiatives of research that they're doing that are relevant to us. But we'd love to engage with anyone that has an idea and wants to collaborate. Hi, Cynthia. Um, well, we actually met. Uh, you were absolutely right. DC does not uh, market itself, and I think uh, you're starting that. Thank you. I'm a CEO of New Light Technologies. We're a vendor not only to DC, but a federal government and so on. But we started a startup here in DC. Our first customer was DC government. It was a fantastic CBE program. Thanks for engaging us. Um, I know you touched a little bit about it earlier. Um, we're in this, we spawn startups from our company through the CBE process. Uh -huh. And I wanted to hear more about what uh, kind of programs, even if you have Um, in terms of how we're engaging with startups, or yeah, so so do I have a defined program right now? Um, probably not. I think the CBE right now is the is the is the one that's the most popular, the CBE program that the city has. But are we going to come up with more ways to do it more proactively? Absolutely. I mean, there are a bunch of things we're working in the in the background. Uh, I, I'd love to say, yes, here are the five things we're doing, but I want to make sure I have set traction dates against it, right? So I don't want to give you a date that I can't deliver on. Don't bring that contracting guy to those conversations. He's going to stop. <laughs> what are you talking about? Contracting and procurements are our best friends. We need them everywhere. Any more questions? Hi, my name is Shiva. Thanks for uh, this program. Uh, one of the things is, I, I think Brian is from CMU, you're from Georgetown. And I see many times, I have two daughters, like one is in college, CMU. Many kids are having trouble in getting internship. I keep getting, I run a small company, we run a technology company. Um, I get like uh, resumes after resumes asking for internship. And you're saying there are a lot of problems the DC government needs to solve. Is there a way to engage them? Uh, many of them are interested even not work without paying for an internship. So what is your thought on that? Can be girls too, so it doesn't have to be like man to women too. So, so that's, I think, we, we do have interns. I know we, we have a summer youth employment program. Is that till 21? 24, yeah. So I think if you're a DC resident and if you're under 24, you can actually apply 
and, and, and the district government hires extensively as part of that program. But outside of that, we are trying to identify ways in which we can create more opportunities. So absolutely, I recognize that. Um, we, we'd love to get somebody in that wants to come learn and help out. Any more questions? Okay. While he, while he uh, takes a mic there, I have a really quick question. About the, um, the city DC fund for investments, mm -hmm. where's, where's that right now? I mean, how, what I mean, is the city DC fund isn't for there, investments? Isn't there a fund, like a, like a mini fund that uh, DC, uh, the DC government put money in so uh, they can find startups? I don't know. I thought maybe you knew the answer. <laughs> You're giving me more news than I know. Okay, got it. Okay, never mind then. Next question. I, I can take it back and find out. Okay, sure. Uh, Jeff Kelly and Morgan Lewis, you mentioned the smart city vision that you have. What Can you expound on that a little bit about how you see citizens and companies and people who come into the district for work interact with the smart city initiative and the data and how that might transform the city's yeah, so what we started off um, is, you know, initially just sort of defining sort of the smart city construct, right? I mean, me personally, I, I didn't like the term when I first heard it, but then I embraced it wholeheartedly because I figured it got everyone to the table. Because everyone said, this is something new and cool and we have to do it. But really, all it means is we have to work together collaboratively to make decisions that impact the city beyond just one functional area or need, right? Um, when you have data from multiple areas and you understand data across the board, you know what decisions you can make to drive better outcomes. And that's really what it is. So for us, we're saying, well, what do we need to do from a resiliency perspective? What do we need to do from a quality of life perspective? What do we need to do from a collaborative and economic opportunity perspective? Right? Um, and then what do we do from an equity perspective? Um, because if for, uh, what can really drive those outcomes? And, and so what we're starting to do now internally is bring, pulling sort of key agencies to the table. So, and this is why I mentioned MPD. Uh, we're bringing all the key organizations, if it's the police, if it's schools, if it's um, transportation, what are sort of the biggest pain points people feel, and transportation is obviously one of them, right? Is getting them all to the table and say, let's all sit down and let's first talk about what do we care about? And if we have pilots like we've done, or we're starting to do, can we start sort of visualizing what we want to work? If, we, if all of this had to be one cohesive framework, what is that going to look like? Let's build that out, and let's test it out, and let's see how we can scale. And as part of that, we're also engaging with other cities that are doing this. A lot of cities internationally are ahead of us. They're, they've either you know, deployed frameworks or they're looking at doing it. So we're engaging with them directly and pulling them into the conversation, saying, well, can you come and share information with us? So there's a lot of good stuff that's coming out. But one of the things we're going to start doing as a result of this group that we're putting together is engaging with businesses, engaging with, um, with universities, engaging with you know, anyone that has an opinion that wants to come in and participate or let us know about things that we can include. So. Really quick question. So, um, are you, are you, do you guys plan on hosting hackathons that have the open data API? Like, you know, you know some cities do that. Uh, San Francisco does that. But do you think DC will do that in the future? So, we've, we've been having hackathons constantly, right? I mean, anytime we put out a major new data set, we always have hackathons associated around it. We'll be happy to send you that information. Yes, please. We I, should I make put sure. That on the newsletter. Yes. <laughs> Um, so we, we just had one, in fact, this past Saturday. Um, but we'll make sure to do more of those. Uh, but I think more than that, what we're trying to figure out is 
and, and I'd love for ideas, right, is how we can start engaging people that care and want to make a difference um, in, a, in, in a longer term basis. Because a hackathon sometimes is great because you come in and you have a great idea, but it's sometimes one day is not enough to see it to completion. So we're trying to figure out, well, how do we actually extend and finish that idea out? So, so I think maybe we'll we'll figure out a, and we'll set up an event. We'll we'll have an event. Start maybe. Grind hosted, right? Sure. I mean, uh, happy to. Uh, you know, maybe we'll 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 set it up where you guys can come pitch and we'll have people attend on our end. Or maybe like a reverse pitch where you guys pitch ideas or the needs that you have for DC government and startups come up with ideas how to actually build. Sure. That sounds like a great idea. Maybe we should plan an event. Okay, we'll do that. Sounds good. Uh,